Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo. Today we're going to be previewing Tuesday's match between Sunderland and Blackpool at the Stadium of Light. And to find out more about the Tangerines, we're going to be joined by Blackpool reporter Matt Scrafton from the Blackpool Gazette. Matt, how's things? Yeah, good afternoon, Joe. Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been at Michael Appleton's press conference this morning um, ahead of the game on Tuesday at the Stadium Light. So what were kind of the main headlines and takeaways from that? Yes, obviously it's it's uh, an interesting one at Blackpool at the moment because they've lost the last three games. So obviously, you know, the fans are getting a bit tetchy and a bit um, a bit frustrated. Um, but you know, he's sort of keen to stress that uh, that they were, they played very well against Norwich on Saturday. You know, we we both know Norwich are obviously a, a top side. We'll probably end up back in the Premier League next year. So Blackpool were, were probably the better side for most of the game, but just, just didn't have the quality. And, and obviously Norwich did, and that, that was a difference. But you know, um, I think fans look at look at the last few games, three defeats, and see them dropping down the table. And there's a bit of concern, sort of, um, sort of uh, coming in a little bit. But I mean, that's that's human nature, and that, that's just the way it happens in football. Mm-hmm. Well, a quick look at the table has Blackpool in 19th at the moment. It's three wins, two draws, six defeats. As you mentioned, that one nil defeat against Norwich last time out. But how have they kind of been playing? What's kind of the feeling at Bloomfield Road, kind of going into this game against Sunderland? Yeah, it's been a bit, of, a bit of a mixed bag, really. If you, if this, if this game had come sort of three, four weeks ago, uh, you'd ask me this question before the, the three defeats. I think the lot, lot of positivity. I think yeah. um, it's fair to say when Michael Apple took over, it, it was a bit of a, it was a mixed reaction. He, he was no, no one sort of number one choice. Obviously, then Neil Cutchie sort of departure left the club in, in a bit of a, bit of a hole, really, given how important he was to the club. Um, but, but he was doing really well. He, he, you know, the football he's played, it, it's better to watch than it was under Neil Critchley. Neil Critchley, it was very sort of structured and disciplined and off the ball, um, hard work, that sort of thing. It was very successful, but it wasn't always the best watch. Um, and then there was a feeling that the football was getting better this season and then results were just as, just as good, which was, you know, signs of progress. Then all of a sudden, you know, three defeats on the spin, which, which can happen in this division. That's obviously you know caused a bit of concern, but you know if if, if that Aussie continues, then that's obviously going to be an issue. But um, if they can get back to that sort of, I think Blackpool and Manchester know what they are. That they know it's about staying up and, and trying to match last season if, if they can. I don't think there's any sort of potential, you know, you know, potentials to be in the top half of the table. Unfortunately, I think they know in terms of budget wise and where they are as a club. Um, so if, if they can if they can play some some, some more pleasing football on the eye and, and and get those results here and there then, then I think that will be that'll be positive but as we all know it's things can swing very quickly in this game can't we so it, what, mm. what could we sit to the next it, it can look very different mm. yeah obviously Michael Appleton came in in the summer replacing Neil Critchley kind of looking at the reaction at the time when he was appointed it looked like he, well as you said he wasn't the most popular appointment second spell at the club would you say fans are warming to him a little bit is there what's the kind of feeling about him now I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think if if if, if fans if fans are concerned now, they're looking at the overall picture. I think there's 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 other stuff going on rather than just the manager. I think mm. it's I think the club will admit they they had a difficult summer in the transfer window. Obviously, the last Josh Bowler, who was who was their star man, he, he was the one who they sort of relied on to, to create chances. Um, and obviously, he left sort of on yeah you know, on the last day, which was. Just made it even worse. Um, gave them sort of no chance, and you know they were in the market for two strikers. One of them being Ellis Sims, of course, and that didn't happen. And and you know they were linked with midfielders, left, right, and centre. Didn't really end up getting the one they wanted. It was it was very 
you know, it was it was it was really difficult. So I think even if some of the fans who, who might be concerned with with Michael Appleton and might not be particularly happy, I think even they will admit he's not been dealt probably the best hand, and they, you know, he's he's not had the players that he, he would have wanted. Um, saying that, I, I do think Blackpool probably would have struggled a little bit, even if 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 Critchley stayed. Um, he was warning towards the back end of last season that warning about second season syndrome, and and you know, if you look at the championship this season compared to last season. Obviously, you had the issue with Derby, you know, with the points deduction. Um, I think Barnsley and Peterborough have only got sort of 30 points between them. Um, so this season, it doesn't look like there's going to be a team that finishes on 30 points unless Coventry stop playing, you know, their pitch <laughs> messes up again. Um, but it, it does look like it's going to be very tight in terms of sort of 50 points, 45, 50, 55 points. So I, I think maybe Neil Critchley, maybe that was one of the reasons why he left. Maybe he knew it was going to be difficult. Maybe he saw some issues coming with Blackpool's budget, can't compete with. With you know sides that someone come from League One and obviously because yeah. the fan base can't compete with that and that's and that's without even looking at the you know like Watford and Norwich and and, and those sides who, who obviously the parachute payments you know without getting into a discussion about football politics and, and and all that sort of stuff I don't I don't really understand how teams like Blackpool and, and Rotherham and those sort of sides can can compete in in in, in the Championship so um, I think I think there's sort of wider issues at Blackpool right now that go beyond you know, the manager. Um, but that's not to say that you know, some of the fans do have, do have some concerns. And obviously, as you said, you know, since the City came in, um, probably wasn't you know the, the, the warmest of reactions to his appointment. Mm. You alluded to Neil Critchley obviously leaving in the summer. That came as a big shock to quite a lot of people, I think, going to Aston Villa to become an assistant. Why do you think that was? You mentioned maybe, is, was it a lack of ambition? Maybe that they're just trying to stay up and the, the resources there? I'd love to be able to tell you 100%, but the half yeah. issue was he he never came out and addressed he addressed the fans or supporters, which which yeah. is um, you speak to a black any Blackpool fan now and and they'll give you a, a very different sort of response to Neil Critchley than they would have given a year ago because he he was he was excellent he was everything the club needed at the time he he was you know the club's most successful manager since uh, Ian Holloway you know in terms of statistics he's up there with the top four or five managers in the history. And then all of a sudden he just sort of drops drops the club and, and never says anything and then that's it, it's gone. So I think from the bits that I, I understand and the people I spoke to, it, it was he, he was never particularly that comfortable being number one, even though it's his decision to take the job in the first place. I think mm. he's of, of his own admission, very much a, a coach who likes to be on the training pitch doing doing his work with especially with young up and coming talent from his you know, from his Liverpool days, obviously. That's very much his his uh his his focus and I think some of the things being a number one and, and being the manager you know for example dealing with people like me in the media and stuff like that probably probably wasn't I'll say he didn't like it but it was a bit of a sideshow he didn't really need it that sort of thing so I think I mean obviously there's a connection with Stephen Jard as well he, he they were very close um at, at Liverpool I think when Stephen Jard had a year or two mm. in the academy there before he went to Rangers they, they, they were very close um so I think that might have been underestimated a little bit by the Liverpool fans that there is a relationship there but even then, to, to sort of drop down, you could say, to becoming number two, and it's Aston Villa and a very big Premier League club. But, um, you know, I still see a bit of a drop down to come assistant was a major, a major shock. But I think, you know, again, from the people that I spoke to, it, it was that sort of element of getting to work with, you know, Premier League players, getting to work with those facilities in, in the Premier League and testing yourselves against you know, the Man City and the Liverpools and, and those sort of teams. And, you know, if, if you're, you know, training players like Coutinho and, and et cetera, then 
you know, in one respect, you know, you can't really knock it. And and I don't see him as this sort of person, but I imagine the, the money is obviously a factor as well. That, that obviously that would have helped. I'm not suggesting he left just for the money, but he's obviously going to be well compensated. Uh, although, obviously, you know, there's that side of it now where Villa look like they're struggling a little bit and, and Stephen Jarrell could, could well be out of a job soon. So it'd be interesting to see how that one pans out. Mm. You mentioned as well the, the club's recruitment in the summer. Uh, you were the one that, that broke the story about Alice Sims, that he's going to come to, to Sunderland rather than Blackpool. How close was a potential deal to Blackpool? Was that ever on the cards that he could go back there? Yeah, I don't know how, in terms of how close it was, because that's without getting in, in the mind of Ellis Sims. All, all I was I was told by, um, yeah, I said when I broke the story, was Blackpool matched what, what Everton wanted. So that, right. from what I gather, Blackpool offered the same that Sunderland did in terms of, I don't know what wage contribution, but that sort of thing. So, um, you know, everything was went, went out and, 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 you know, by the sound of it, by the way, what's the noise come from the club, well, they, they pushed the boat out to make this happen. Because um, obviously Ellis has, has this history with Blackpool and sort of well well regarded by the supporters and did ev- they did everything right that they could and then it was down to Ellis and Ellis chose to go to Sunderland which was mm. I think most of the fans and the clubs not you know it's, that's it's frustrating it's a shame but fair enough I suppose you can't can't really argue it as, as frustrating as it is to see Ellis Sims and Dan Ballard and Elliot Embleton all yeah. on the same team and that, that you know, the crux of that playoff team I mean again I think Blackpool fans begrudgingly admit that there's not much you can do sometimes. Mm, it's a shame that both Sims and Ballard as well actually will miss out for Tuesday's game, both out injured, Elliot Embleton as well. But they're all remembered pretty fondly at Blackpool, would you say? Obviously, they've helped get the club promoters. Yeah, they, they, all, they all had a had a massive contribution, even though, um, I'm just trying to think now, I think Ballard was there for the season. But I think mm. Embleton and uh, and Sims only their half season, but still had a, had a massive impact. Um, Sims especially, I, I think. I, mean, I, I, I know personally that Blackpool pushed to get him back. Um the season before he went to uh, to Sunderland uh, before he went to Hearts, uh, but I think he had, he had some injury issues. He missed the Perth final. Uh, he, he picked up an injury literally the day before the Perth final at Wembley before Blackpool got promoted, and that I think it was a groin injury, and he had to have a, a surgery on that. So that pushed back any sort of move for Sims. And then in January there was still some sort of concerns. I think at the time Rafa Benitez was just about to get sacked to Everton, so there was a bit of uncertainty about what was happening at, at the time with with Ellis. Um, so that never never happened, but I know Blackpool have pushed to get Ellis back at least two occasions since he's left. So that, that that just proves how important he was, even though he's only at the club for half a season. And uh, Embleton, Embleton was a, a funny one because I, I don't think anyone any any fan would doubt his his ability in the ball, or you know he, he scored some really important goals in the first semi final. He scored like a twenty five yarder. Um, but you know, there were certain games where he, he probably was a bit quiet, um, but you could tell that there's a player there. And again, obviously Blackpool pushed it get him back but he stayed at Sunderland and obviously it looks like it's, it's worked out for him and and Dan Bauer is just just a just a cracking player um not not surprised again another player but we'll try to get he went went to Millwall wanted to stay uh in the capital to obviously his, his Arsenal connections and uh by all accounts did, had an excellent season but um the one one thing I'd say about with Dan is because of his age I think he does pick up quite a few niggly injuries um so before he moved to Sunderland I think I was asked by by someone um What's, what's the weakness of that? I, was, I don't think he has a weakness, but the one thing I, I would pick up on is he, he does pick up niggly injuries of here and there. So don't be surprised if he's out for three or four weeks at a time. So it's a, it's a shame, you know, he's picked up this injury, but hopefully he can get back and uh, get back to playing regularly because he, he's a really good top talent. Yeah, he definitely looked really promising the first kind of three or four games that he came in and, and at pre-season. He looked like it was going to be a great signing for Sunderland. I mean, mm. unfortunately, it was a contact injury, like he fractured his foot. Um, now it looks like he's going to be out till until after the World Cup. 
But mm -hmm. uh, looking at this Blackpool side, then who would you kind of say are the key players in there? Um, looking at the top scorer, Theo Corbinu is the, the top scorer with three. Yeah, so he, he's probably the first name that comes to mind in an attacking sense. Obviously, um, in, in the void left by, by Josh Bowler, he, he's sort mm. of taken that mantle of being the winger who, who sort of, you know, they play 4-3-3 on the McLaughlin stuff. So they have the two players out wide and he, he'll probably play on the right, but, but could easily play on the left. And he's the one who, who will sort of get the ball and, and, and get, at, get at the full-backs. And um, similar to Josh Bowler in, in his early time at Blackpool, the end product isn't quite there right now. But, but you know, in terms of, Attacking threat, it often comes down to him. So you know, um, so probably him. Um, they've got a midfield on loan from from Arsenal and Charlie Patino, who um, is an excellent player. You can tell in terms of his his ability on the ball and his technique is is, is above the championship. But he's only eighteen, and this is it's his first. Uh, yeah, actually made a debut against uh, Sunderland in the in the cup last. Yeah, he scored didn't he? He yeah. scored didn't he? at Emirates. I remember seeing that one. Um, and yeah, so he's, he's clearly got, as you'd expect, coming through the Arsenal academy. He plays for England under twenties. He's obviously got all the ability, but it's his first his first senior loan, uh, first real real taste apart from that one game. First real taste of proper football. Mm. So he's going through that phase of. You know, getting used to the championship, but the physical side of it, and, and there are, you know, parts of his game are a bit frustrating. Where maybe he's used to having a bit more time on the ball when he's playing, you know, in the under 23s or under 21s or whatever, you know, development sort of squad where you know it, it's a lot more technical. When when you've got a six foot four midfielder, 30 yard midfielder in the championship, you know, pressing you right in the front foot, he's, he's probably been a bit too relaxed at times. But you, you can tell there's a player in there, so. I think he had an injury, so he's only sort of started two or three games. But once he gets into a rhythm of playing 10, 12 games, I can see him being a really important. Well, he isn't, he is an important player, but even more important. And then um, the centre back, the, the captain at the back, Marvin Ekpateta, he's um, probably a standout player in terms of the uh, last two or three years. He, he sort, of, sort of summed up Blackpool's rise from League One to the Championship. He, he came from non league about three years ago, but he's sort of come through the divisions and looks really. Really promising. So yeah, I said that those three players are probably probably the key players of Blackpool. Mm. Another player that Sunderland fans will will know about is Liam Bridcut, who has just signed a one year deal at the club. Where's he at? Is he? Is there any chance that he could feature against Sunderland? Yeah, could do. Yeah, so he he was on the bench on on Saturday, having signed on on Friday. Um, I, I asked Michael Appleton about that this morning about you know, sort of how ready is he because obviously uh, he's, he's had you know, well documented injury issues over the last few years and. You know, I'm, I'm I'm a Lincoln fan, so I know how how good he he's been for Lincoln. But the frustration was, you know, he didn't get on the pitch enough. So as good as he was, was it worth sort of keeping him around because he he wasn't getting out getting out there? And then obviously he was released by at the end of last season, which um, you know, just, just summed up the frustration really. But you know, he's an excellent player. But um, yeah, so I asked Matt Lapson this morning, and he sort of said he's ready. If, if, you know, if needed, he he's been on trial for two or three weeks now. So you know. He's proven his fitness, um, but I think under pressure they want to sort of bed him in slowly. Um, whether they can do that, obviously we, you look at the you know the schedule of all clubs have got the championship over the next sort of six weeks. If there's an injury here, you know here or there, he might be have to be forced in. But I, I don't think that's what they want to do. I think it'll be ten minutes off the bench here and there, twenty minutes here and there. If he does start later down the line, it'll be sixty minutes. I'll be very surprised if he starts tomorrow, for example, and plays the full ninety. Mm. I, you know, I'm not expecting him to start at all tomorrow, but he, he'll probably be on the bench. But you know, as I'm sure we'll probably get onto, but we'll have uh, quite a few injury problems at the moment, so it might just be a case of putting him on the bench to, to fill the numbers at the moment. It's, it's that bad. 
yeah, we'll come on to injuries now then. Um, I, I was reading your piece before, I think it was about five or six players that were out and then James Husband as well has also I think, been ruled out as well. So what's the kind of latest with the team news? Yeah, so it's it's a bit of a, it's almost become just a bit of a, I don't know what word to describe it now. This is an issue at Blackpool that's been the case for two, three years now. So, you know, it's, it's not right to point the blame at Michael Apton. It, it was the same under Daniel Critchley. Mm. During that, that COVID season, it, it, it was regularly, they would be without seven, eight, nine players, sort of seven of them injuries, and yet two future with COVID. It was just a, accepted that that was the case and that it's never stopped. So, you know, fans are asking the question why that's the case. I mean, uh, a lot of people say it might be the training ground because... I don't, know, I don't know if your listeners know much about Blackpool training ground, but it's sort of well documented. It, it's it's absolute, you know, it, it's better now, but it's you know, on the Oyston sort of ownership before it, it was neglected, and it's basically just a field. You know, the, the, it's not like a, a glamorous facility like like someone have got or, or anyone else's. So that, that that might be a particular factor. I don't know, but yeah. So it's I think it's six injuries now with, with James Husband, who who was out already, came back about two three weeks ago. Played well at Millwall, um, thinking, yeah, he might probably start this one. Um, Don Thompson, who, who's the left back, had a poor game on Saturday. So thinking, right, James Husband, it's your time to come in. And then he picks up a calf injury. He's probably out for a week or two. So it just seems to be that way at the moment. But, um, yeah, Reese Williams, obviously, the, the defender on loan from Liverpool, he, he's out of the well. Um, Kevin Stewart and, and Lewis Fiorini, the two midfielders, that they're, they're longer-term ones, won't be back for, for a while. Uh, Keshi Anderson, I guess, similar to James Husband, it had been out sort of uh, since the start of the season, got back uh, before the international break, w- was close to returning for the Norwich game and then picked up another injury before the Norwich game. And then Jake Beasley, the striker as well, who, who sort of offers something a bit different, would be interesting to see, he, see how he'd get on. He, he's got a fractured foot as well. So, yeah, in terms of six players injured, the issue is as well that they're not, apart from James Husband, they're not a week away. They're all sort of two or three months away as well. So it's... That's another. That's another thing. Sort of, you know, another factor. Michael Afton might point to, but when he when he looks at these results, is that they have, they have no help whatsoever with the fitness. So, um, yeah, it's um, sort of a, a perfect storm at the moment of, of things conspiring against Blackpool, which isn't far from ideal. Yeah, another thing that will be interesting to to keep an eye on is is who starts in goal for Blackpool. Was it Daniel Grimshaw was playing and got dropped um, at the weekend for Chris Maxwell? Kind of, what's the situation with with those two players? Yeah, so it's been sort of the main talking point among Blackpool fans over the last few days. Um, Chris Maxwell, I'm sure some fans will remember from that League One campaign, he, he was sort of captain Blackpool to promotion, was excellent, got mm. 20, 23 clean sheets and, and was was brilliant. Started last season as the number one and then picked up an injury. And then from that point onwards, Dan Grimshaw came in, having signed on a free from, from Man City and, and never looked back. He, he was excellent. As, you know, my captain might, might say otherwise, but not really made any sort of obvious clangers or anything like that. And then all of a sudden on, on Saturday, he, he's dropped and Maxwell comes back in, which there's nothing against Maxwell because, you know, but fans know how important he, he's been in the past and what a good keeper he is. But Grimshaw, I think, if you look at the stats, I think he's up there in terms of in, in, among the best keepers, I think top fourth or fifth in most sort, most sort of uh, sort of um, graphs and then those sort of things. And it's for him to be dropped was no one sort of saw that coming, you know. You know, I don't think one. I saw one person predicting that he might might be dropped. So we asked Michael Upton about it, and he, he sort of said it's um, you know he, he he put in one or two in different displays, and maybe was at fault for a couple of goals. And I mean, I think they, they lost three 0 at Rotherham, where the, the whole team were, were were shambolic really. And I think the third goal, when the game was already sort of done, the third goal, he, he, yeah, that was his fault. But 
if you look back at that game, if it wasn't for him, it would have been five or six. So, um, yeah, it's hard to get, get your head around around that one. But again, Appleton's come out and said, obviously, Maxwell, is, is, his experience is, is key as well. He's 32. He was the captain before he, he, he was dropped out of the team. So there might be that part of it as well. But yeah, there's a bit of a, bit of a head scratch for that one. But um, yeah, but by all accounts, Maxwell is, is now the back in charge at number one shirt. So I, I expect him to, to start to start tomorrow. But um, if, if that's the case, it'd be interesting. I think the last time he, he was at Sunderland, that 1-0 win, where I think he made about five or six wonder saves in that game. Yeah. So maybe maybe he might be suited playing at, at Sunderland because he, he had a cracking game at last time where I think Sully Kai Kai, it was a winner. But yeah, um, yeah I think Sunderland... <laughs> Probably should deserve something from that game, but if it wasn't for Maxwell, uh, they probably would have done. Yeah, certainly another one to to keep an eye out. But just before we finish, you mentioned uh, Blackpool probably line up in a four three three. How would you kind of imagine them setting up against yeah. Sunderland? How do you think they'll approach the game? Yeah, it'll be a four three three. So um, yeah. that's that's been Appleton's favourite formation throughout his career. Um, a couple of times because of the injuries we talked about, they've been forced to go to a back three, which. It never really suited the team, so maybe again, those, those two of those three defeats were in the back three when it it, it just didn't look right from the start. So that could have been another factor. So it'll be a four-three-three um, tomorrow. Um, but who starts in that four-three? I don't know because there's, there's quite a few sort of positions up for up for debate. There are three or four players on the bench that could that could you know, put themselves forward for a start. Um, in terms of how they approach it, I think Blackpool have. To be fair to them, despite the, th- the three defeats in a row, they've started all three games pretty well, especially on Saturday, first 20 minutes, they made Norwich look really, really average. Mm. Um, but, the, the, but the issue has been they don't get the goal after all the pressure. And then, you know, especially when you're playing a side like Norwich, they're going to have a spell at some point. They, they It seems like they score with their first chance and, and that's it. It's sort of like you throw your hands up in the air, like, well, what, what more can you do? But I, it's similar away from home at Millwall and, and Rotherham Blackpool started well so I, I'd imagine Blackpool will look to start quickly and, and get that first goal which Abton is, is keen to sort of ramp home that message of how, how important it is to get that first goal because when they have won the season it is when they've gone up early yeah. and, and won normally held on for a 1-0 win or, or quite a narrow win um, so I do expect them to come out of the box quite quickly uh, but the concern from Blackpool's point of view will be if they start well 20 minutes and they don't score then with the crowd, with with the you know, some obviously started well, got a good side as well. Then um, yeah, they will be concerned if three defeats comes four, which will obviously become a, become a concern. Mm-hmm. Well, we usually just finish by asking our guests just for a quick score prediction. How you think the game is going to go uh, tomorrow? Ooh, I'm not even thought about that yet. To be honest, um, I think I think it's, they're not under pressure. It's so early into the season that it'll be seen say under pressure, but they've got. Watford and Sheffield United after this. So, given the, yeah. the love of lost three in a row, I think that they need to get some sort of result. Um, I, I, I'd go for 1 1. I think 1 1 would be mm-hmm. a decent result on, on the face of it. Mm, yeah, I usually predict 1 1, but I think Sunderland, um, I thought they deserved probably to beat Preston on Saturday, and I think they, they might edge this one. So, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll go 2 0. So, um, but Matt, thanks very much for joining us. Um, all the best for, for tomorrow um, with your journey up to, to Sunderland or across Thank to you. Sunderland. Um, Thank you uh, again for listening to the Raw podcast. Uh, Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray spoke to the media on Monday morning, so you can find out what he had to say and more build-up to Tuesday's game against Blackpool all over on the SAFC section of the Sunderland Echo website. Uh, For now, thanks a lot again for listening to the Raw podcast.